All right, welcome back to another episode of Terror Tinos. Uh, this is a movie discussion podcast hosted by two lifelong friends who get together on a daily basis to talk about some of the great films that we grew up on. And most of these movies come out of the 1980s and 90s. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Morales. And like always, I'm here with Angel De Leon. That's it. I was going to add it. Usually you add something uh, special. Yeah, to my man. <laughs> Angel, you are great, De Leon. <laughs> well, that brings up to uh, the topic of this episode, which is Warwick Davis, who, who is a particular character actor that we are very fond of. And we love his movies. And we kind of want to take this opportunity, not just to celebrate him as an actor, but also celebrate the films that we really loved when we were growing up. This was your idea, Angel. Tell us why Warwick Davis come, came up and you said, let's 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 just kind of dedicate a whole episode on him. Well, I'm also thinking, dude, we keep saying Warwick Davis. There might be people that don't know who that is. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. the lovable character of Willow. So the little guy that's big in our hearts. <laughs> um, I was actually going to check out the new series. Big fan of the original 88 movie. And when I was watching it, I... I was blown away, sadly, because I thought he would be a lot older. Mm -hmm. For some reason in my head, like we were talking about earlier, I figured in the uh, 80s movie, he was probably in his 30s or 40s. I don't know. But we were talking, I guess when you're a kid, everybody who's just older than you is older than you. Mm -hmm. But when I did the research, he's only a couple years older <laughs> than us. That had me thinking about basically his body of work. And if you kind of didn't look for it, you wouldn't know it. Like he's been in so many things, but he's not... He's usually a character, or he's in makeup, or he's in full prosthetic. So it's it's like he's and he's very dynamic, and he's such a good actor. But because of his actual stature, it's kind of really typecast him for certain roles. Like he would never be like a leading man in an action movie, but he kind of was. You know what I mean? So it's kind of I don't know. He breaks the mold, but it's funny because uh, you turned me on to a show he was actually on, and he's a very funny guy. Like. His comedic talent is, it's its really good. It's really spot on. And even in the movie, Will, it's not like, it, it's not, they don't portray his comic skills the way they should. Yeah, I mean, I think because he's a little person and this comes with the territory, uh, you always have to maybe play certain characters, certain creatures, unfortunately. But I guess like with the like the emergence of like say Peter Dinklage who is so great in Game of Thrones, maybe there's a turn. Maybe there's going to be little actors who are going to be more reliant on their faces than rather than the prosthetics or so. And I was trying to like coin a phrase, like there's not little actors, there's just little roles. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess something cool for these dudes. But like no, um, you ever seen? Um, I think we're is it? I think we're alone now. It's with Dinklage and uh, the the girl's famous, but it's like some kind of uh, infection has killed the population. Oh. And he thought he was all alone. It was uh, Ella Fanning? One of the Fannings? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie was so <laughs> good, dude. Because after I've, I, I've just, dude, I've, I've liked him, Peter, ever since, uh, God, Living in Oblivion. Yes, yes. Right? right. And, dude, he was comic in that. He was so funny. Cause he's the one that's like, uh, like when they're filming the scene about dreams and he's, he's like, you're like, oh yeah, every dream needs a little person. He's like, 
I'm a little person. I don't even have little people in my dreams. <laughs> Dude, he's so funny. Living in Oblivion is a like a classic independent film from the 90s that really talked about what the independent making. movement- Making. Yeah, what, <laughs> the, what independent the independent movement. movement was in the 90s. Spoofy in it. And it was about making a, a movie, a low-budget movie. And Steve Buscemi was the starred as, as a director who was having a difficult time trying to make his movie. And Peter Dinklage was just one of the actors in his film- yeah, I fucking loved him in that movie. And and if you haven't seen that movie, you got to watch that movie. Oh, it's Living great. Oblivion. And ton of famous people. Oh, yeah. Just ton of them. Catherine Keener uh, was also starred yeah, in it. Yeah, it's uh, Dermot Mulroney. Yeah, he, he was El Lobo. Lobo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, like, you're spot on, dude. Dinklage, he's now got mainstream stuff. Yeah. And he's, dude, he's, he's really freaking good, man. He's not just a character actor. He is a good actor. He's a great actor, actually. Yeah, there was a there was another film that he he did called Find Me Guilty, which which was a rare drama that starred uh, Vin Diesel, and Vin Diesel was playing a mobster. I want to say it was a a, a, Cin, a Sydney Poly, no not Sydney Poly, a Sydney Lamette film, one of his last films before he passed away. Great kind of director. It was based on a true story where Vin Diesel is playing a mobster who was uh, put on trial. And Peter Dinklage was his one of his was uh, he, he was playing uh, his lawyer, and what was so great about that part was that they didn't even mention that he was a dwarf. It, it was funny because it made me think, oh, maybe the the real lawyer was a little person, and that I, could be. I, I I don't even know if that was uh, that case. I think they just wanted Peter Dinklage for the part. A rare dramatic performance by Vin Diesel, where he was actually pretty good. He was playing this goofy kind of mobster who was. Uh, a loose cannon type where people were scared, uh, the other mobsters were scared that he was going to rat on them during the trial. Yeah, I'd never even heard of it. I just popped it up and he's got hair. Yes. Well, he's playing, a, hair he's playing an Italian mobster. Uh, yeah. It sounds stupid. I mean, Vin Diesel in this kind of trial or legal drama. Uh, it's any, no, I would just say it's a dramedy, I guess. It was a really good, solid film. And Peter Dinklage is probably one of the best performances in it. Because he's really good as this lawyer who he has to uh, put up with Vin Diesel, who is basically playing a goofball uh, mobster. Even during his own trial. Yeah, yeah. He's not taking anything seriously, even though everyone wants him dead, you know. That's awesome. I got to try that. And that kind of leads us to what Warwick Davis, I think, if you think of Peter Dinklage, you need a Warwick Davis in this kind of evolution chart. Like Warwick Davis kind of paved the way for actors like Peter Dinklage now. It's, 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 I know what you're saying. It's kind of like an evolution. Yeah. It's kind of like you got, um, Billy Barty. <laughs> yes. Who was like the only one in Hollywood, but he, yeah. So he opened the door for Warwick. Warwick opened the door. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's like Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Billy Bar- Barley was in Willow. He plays like the main wizard, uh, in the, in the village. And, um, it was kind of like a passing of the baton a bit to Warwick. The witch finger it's in. Billy Bartley, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, like a legendary little person actor. And like, I I remember him in UHF, the Weird Al, (laughs) (laughs) where he was the cameraman. And that was kind of the joke that this little person is the cameraman for this local news station. And there was a great line where he goes, oopsie, you know, (laughs) like, like, cause he's tripped somebody. Um, Yeah. But that's. (laughs) <laughs> and dude of course it's a different time frame you know what i mean <laughs> like you can't so that shit wouldn't fly like 
nowadays. I, Everybody I be. I don't know. I haven't seen U UHF for a very long time, so I, I can't say if it holds up. But uh, I think I think maybe we were the generation who kind of really looked to these groups of actors, these little people actors, and really kind of have a more sympathetic eye. Would you agree on that? Yeah, kind of like. Well, it depends too, because when we saw them when we were kids, uh -huh. we saw them differently. You know what I mean? It was like, like when uh, Warwick Davis he played Wicket, right? From the Ewoks, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Return, Return of the of Jedi. The... So it was almost like a, like oh, like of course we didn't know it was a little guy in a suit, but mm -hmm. the character itself was like magical to us. You know what I mean? It was more, uh, like a cool thing to hang out with. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. But if I saw him without the makeup and they were just like a race of little people, mm -hmm. I don't think it would have been the same endearment, you know what I mean, as a kid, because it's just like normal person, but smaller scale. But I, I get what you're saying, but I don't know. I don't know if it would have been that much different because we were kids, mm -hmm. but well, I, th I think we were definitely way open-minded to welcome it as a part of cinema, you know what I mean? I, the only reason I say that because I was such a huge fan of Time Bandits, which was a Terry, oh, yeah. Terry Gilliam movie that came out in the early '80s. <laughs> it's a time travel type of movie, a fantasy, but which which has a, like a, a a cast of little people who were these time travelers, and they were helping this little boy kind of go jump into time. And it was it would it was a movie that would play on TV constantly, and it was one of my favorite movies of all time. And so, because, you know, these actors, these little people actors kind of were playing in these fantasy movies at the time, uh, there was always this kind of fondness. And sure, maybe there was an, audit, an oddity about it, but it was really more sympathetic and it was really more kind of in, in awe of these people. Yeah, but because, you know, you were younger, you were smaller, you were a kid, it was almost like you could draw comparisons, you know what I mean? Like these, oh, they're just like me, you know what I mean? It's kind of like one of those things, it's like... That's what I think it, it adds a little bit to because these guys are having adventures. Mm -hmm. We're like the same size. You know, I can also have adventures. And I don't know if they purposely did that. You know what I mean? Because imagine the movie if they were full size. It kind of have a, a different mm. allure. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think I was never, I don't think I was consciously like gawking at them or making fun of them. I, I think I was always kind of sympathetic and really looked up to the, uh, to at least the actors, right? Willow or I mean, uh, Warwick Davis. Billy Bartley or, you know, some of the great kind of other little people actors, Kenny, uh, Kenny Baker, who was R2-D2, just because they were playing like these creatures or these robots, we did kind of appreciate them as performers. Yeah, you know what? I think that's that's exactly the perfect word would be more performers than actors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we saw them more. That's, you know, that, that I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> that I saw more as a performer. Well, let's but talk. That's why... No, I was going to say, that's what, um, like, Ron Howard for Willow, George Lucas, that's what I like about them is they saw through that. And they're like, hey, these are good quality actors. They're not just a centerpiece to to use as a, a prop, you know what I mean? A prop that talks. But let's get into, like, Warwick Davis's uh, film career. And let's talk about Return of the Jedi, which is a, a film that we both incredibly love because it's part of the oh, original yeah. star wars uh trilogy what, what's your feelings about return of the jedi because uh, there's 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 a battle between a lot of people because a lot of people think this movie is too childish and a lot of people didn't like the ewoks younger people i think but i okay. think because of we grew up around that that time i think i personally 
I loved Return of the Jedi. I'm a, really, I'm, I'm an apologist for Return of the Jedi because I think it's a really, really good movie. But what's your, what's your thoughts? Okay. For all my Star Wars homies out there, <laughs> everything's about Empire. Empire is the greatest Star Wars movie ever made. Bar, but, yeah, bar none. Yeah. Bar none. But I remember as a child watching ROTJ because I want to say, how old was I? Six or seven? I want to say I actually saw it in the theater. Yeah, me too. Me too. You know what I mean? And because the first two I missed, I was way too small. I had the big screen experience. It was, you know, back then it was the closure for mm-hmm. the whole epic. And everything was out there. Everything was space and huge. Think of the scale of everything. Death Star, those Imperial cruisers, you know, everything was huge. So to get everything, even Chewbacca, huge. So to get finally something real small, you know, we had Yoda to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So to get something small and something I could almost be like, kind of cute and more reflective of something that I would have in my, I guess, fantasies or dreams. I, that part, I think they were smart. It's kind of like, we got to hook this onto a, like the next generation of moviegoers. Mm-hmm. And that was the kids. So they needed something to get us in there. And then we're going to create fans for future works, you know what I mean? <laughs> I would argue that Star Wars, Star Wars, the franchise has always been geared towards children, even with the first one. And I was actually quite shocked that there's like a this backlash for Return of the Jedi. I know the Ewoks is kind of like a divisive kind of characters. Some say it's just meant there for toys and stuff, but I think that it really plays a, an important part in the in the franchise. And Wicked, which is uh, Warwick Davis's character. Watching that for the first time, watching him, uh, watching that character come alive in, in that scene where he is acting uh, opposite Carrie Fisher, you know, Princess Leia. And I, I thought that that was a like a magical moment. Again, I'm an apologist for Return of the Jedi, so I, I love that movie. Yeah. When I was a kid, it was definitely my favorite. Definitely. The movie came out in May 25th, 1983, which will be 40 years ago this year. Uh I was about seven years old, and so I was yeah. perfect age. Right around your birthday. Yes, it was around my birthday. <laughs> and I remember, I, I'm not sure if I went to the first day, but I definitely remember watching this in the theaters. And I remember when when Luke defeats Jabba, or really when he blows up Jabba's you know, ship. The, the transport that, thing, yeah. Yeah. And it was a moment where everyone's just start clapping in the theaters. And it was like, I go, wow, people are really excited for this film. And, you know, like Jabba was a great character. He appears in Return of the Jedi. So there's a lot of great things that happen in Return of the Jedi. So I don't understand like the hate or the backlash. I think it's, I'm going to say this, I think it's better than the first original Star Wars. I would say Empire first, Return second, and then the original. But, you know, a I'm lot not going to gonna argue with that. <laughs> you know what but I mean? I think, I-, I think hardcore fans and we, you know, uh, one of our best friends who has now passed away, unfortunately, I think he would say the opposite. I think he would probably agree that the original film was the best one. And he's a, he is a, he was a hardcore Star Wars fan. You know who I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, read all the books and, <laughs> yeah. And I think he would be one of those guys who would hate Return of the Jedi, although we didn't have this conversation before. I think he'd put Empire first, me. You think we put Empire first? 
I think he would. I think he would. Definitely Ewoks he would not put before the original. Yeah. But, okay. But remember when um you were talking about when um the cruiser goes down? Okay. I get what you're saying. And you know what's funny is it's it's it happens more often now. But when you're a kid and that happens and everybody in the theater cheers, it it was like magic. Because up until that point, the only thing in the theaters that they tell you to do is shh. Yes. You know what I mean? It's nice, like, it's quiet. Like, yeah. everybody's trying to watch it. So everybody's trying to be on their best quiet. But then when you realize something on screen happens and it's so awesome that everybody loses their shit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you find yourself cheering. That's a billion times a better way to watch a movie, dude. Like, well, I like a lot of people talk shit on the MCU. But when <laughs> you're in there and you're in there with the fans and something great happens, everybody goes off. It's like a, it's like, what is it? Uh, it's like an evening at the Apollo up in this mofo. <laughs> it's the participation that you want when you go in the movie theaters and you want people to be engaged. And I think we don't watch you return of the Jedi. That was probably one of the first times I, I, you know, saw a whole room of people clapping for a particular scene. And I just remember that, that, you know, that, that moment is something I remember to this day. I mean, I, I, I could, yeah, you're I probably could, shocked and looking around like, Oh my God. Yeah. Everybody's, yeah, these are all like me. You know what I mean? I think I was, yeah, I was shocked that everyone felt the same way. And I think that's what's special about movies that we kind of sit in a room and we all collectively f- share this experience in a, a very similar way. We all kind of have these moments. And I think that's what's, you know, that's what's great going to the movie theaters, but that's also what's great about film itself. Um, let me play you a little clip of, of Warwick Davis as w- Wicked. This is him talking about it. And a little bit about his history of getting the role. Uh, so here's a little clip from a, I think it was a feature ed for Rise of Skywalker, which was the last film. Back in 1981, my grandmother heard a radio commercial in which they were looking for short people to be in the new Star Wars movie. And so she told my mum, who then phoned up the studios, and they said, well, we've got everyone we need. We had so many calls. Mum then said that I was a big fan of the films and that I was only 11. And they started to think, actually, maybe we could have some sort of younger Ewoks. Yeah, I need a spear. All we have to do is just go down that pass. Because oh, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we're, we're not Are we going to be fighting at all, do you know? Because well, we just run away and that's it. Right, yeah. that's it. Yeah. It's just one scene. Oh, that's easy. To oh, yeah. Honestly, I never thought I would see the day where I'd be stepping back into these feet and uh, performing Wicket once again. So that was uh, Warwick Davis talking about returning to Wicket. I guess he had a quick scene in the Rise of Skywalker, uh, like a cameo scene. But that was also him talking about playing Wicket for the first time in Return of the Jedi. And, well, you know, there's some behind-the-scene footage to see him without his mask and seeing this little boy, really. It's quite fascinating and really endearing. <laughs> like, here's a, a fanboy, a Star Wars fanboy to get, get and at a very young age, get to live his dream of, of being part of this cast. Yeah, I mean, imagine that young and then you go into something that's already huge. You know what I mean? That's kind of like pressure. And he seemed pretty cool, man. <laughs> he did. I'd be a little more nervous, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he seems like they have a, a natural charisma. And I think that's why he has this kind of long career, because his charisma is really, really effective. I think that's the reason why George Lucas particularly picked him to star in Willow. I mean, Willow was actually made for him, and George Lucas was the producer and 
who wrote the screenplay, basically yeah, with him in mind. Yeah, he basically wrote it for him. Uh, what a way to start a career, a movie career. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. You start off with the blockbuster franchise, <laughs> and then what do you call it? Tailor-made movie for you. To go back to Return of the Jedi, I think I, I suppose for a certain demographic, you know, our demographic, someone who are in the in the mid forties. The movie holds a special special thing in our hearts because it's it was kind of almost tailor made for us too, and uh, I really really enjoy Return of the Jedi because of not just the Ewoks, but I mean the, the I mean the, the 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 redemption story of the father, you know, the the the, the son trying to re- redeem the father. I mean, I think the, the movie's I I still don't get the backlash of the film, and you know what it is I I can I don't you keep saying like the hardcore fans. I think it's more. Hardcore and older fans. Older fans or younger fans? You think I'm younger fans even older. hate that movie? No, I'm thinking older, dude. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they hate it, they just find it... Okay. And it's funny because it's going to bring up uh, another franchise. What And I don't get it either, and it's the same time frame. Is why do people hate Temple of Doom? Oh, good fucking point. And they, they viscerally hate mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like, I think Crystal Skulls shouldn't count because that was just <laughs> the, a complete waste of time. All right. But I did not know that there was such a hatred for Temple of Doom. There yeah. it is. Like, even my oh, okay, my wife's brother, who's six years older, seven years older than me, mm-hmm. he brought it up how shitty it was. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, are you insane? <laughs> Short round? Dude, that was like almost my favorite Indiana Jones until Last Crusade. You know what I mean? Right. Because it was actually, there was a kid's and exact reason why I killed it for him. Like, he thought because of the kid, it was too cheesy and almost like. Like, it was going to ruin the franchise. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, it just blew me away. And I don't know if it was because it was too comedy. You know what I mean? I guess so. It brought too much of a comic aspect to it. I mean, sure, it's funny. You bring up Short Round. K. Hui Kwan, who is now having this big comeback this year with uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And, he's, you know, he's just... Oh, that up. was great. And fantastic movie. And he's, and he's fantastic in it. And he's just got an Oscar nomination. And it's, it's amazing how... That's like really one of the great kind of comebacks of all time. That story, yeah. Because isn't hasn't he been doing a lot of um, behind the scenes stuff, right? Doesn't he? Isn't he a big choreographer or choreographer fight scenes? And yeah, stuff? he does some martial arts, and that's why I was so shocked when I when I was watching that movie that he was able to do some of those stunt work. Yeah. He's, he, like he's so good in that movie, and I think he's a, the front runner of winning an Oscar. I think that's going to change a lot of people's hearts and minds about Temple of Doom. I mean, has to, <laughs> but it's not like he he didn't write the script. You know what I mean? Right, right. But I think I think they just didn't like the they didn't like the comic aspect. Dude. Oh, you think that you don't think it's short round? You don't think that kind of subplot? No. Of, okay. Maybe, but still, I mean, he's just an actor. Like if the the, the, the role was there, he's got to play it. I remember that movie too, watching it in theaters, and I remember it being very, very gruesome. And you know, there's or that kid, fa- yeah, there's that famous scene where where he. You know, they take, you know, cover your heart, Indy, cover your heart, where he uh, tries to take the heart, you know. But they showed it when he did it to some dude earlier. Right, right. And the guy was was on the rack and they actually reach in and pull the, you know what I mean? So it's like, they're going to kill Indy, man. And I think, I think, I think it was like one of the first movies to be, to come out at PG, but then to reverse it and become PG 13. Cause like Mm. right at that moment, PG 13 was not, not a rating. I think that movie was the first one to be PG thirteen, or at least the second movie. It was very, it was early on the PG thirteen. It really was because of the gore. So 
Yeah, it's so strange how that movie is like kind of deemed a ch- you know too childish when it was really very gory. <laughs> yeah, and everybody forgets how it's the first movie to show uh, a child trans with the king or the the, the emperor. Who is was he? a little boy? <laughs> I don't know, man. He was got he was awfully damn feminine when he talked. <laughs> I, I, you when know he what? Talked, maybe... He talked like this. Snake surprise, man. I think that was just more of like a, a kid of privilege. Yeah, more like a Xerxes. Yeah. yeah I, get it. I was just kidding. I just always remember, it, like, looking at him thinking, like, oh, that's like the Maharaja type of rich-ass guy. Mm-hmm. And he opened his mouth, and I'm like, is that a girl or a guy? Even in the movie theater, I was like, mm. somebody fix the speakers. I can't understand this. But, yeah, I, and dude, and it's so funny because I've I've known people that hate on it, too. And it's so funny because... If Danny hated on ROTJ, <laughs> he loved Temple of Doom. Doom. So I don't understand how he went one way with, on one and well, the other I mean, way on the other. But he she, even knew the song that the lady sings in the beginning. I, I you know what? It, it's I don't know if Danny has that. You know, Danny's our friend who passed away, who was a huge fan of Star Wars. I don't never had that conversation about about Return of the Jedi. I know Return of the Jedi just kind of, I would say, in the last decade or so, has this kind of new. Backlash, backlash, or maybe maybe it's the old backlash, and just it got it just snowballed into a bigger thing where now it's more commonplace to hate Return of the Jedi. But, but you know, like I was saying before, it's something that I I, I still think it's I still th- I think it's highly entertaining film. Oh yeah, for sure, and especially because it, and it's weird too because I was thinking the biggest per the biggest pet peeve I've always had with um, all the Star Wars movies is it's this big ass universe, everything looks different and crazy. All speak English, you know what I mean? <laughs> Except for the extremes, like Jabba, uh-huh. only one that does it. Chewbacca, only one that does it. Ewoks, only one that does it. Right. right. Everybody else has managed to, to conquer English. Right. English is the intergalactical language of, of that everyone yeah. knows. It's literally universal. <laughs> to, uh, let me play another clip. This is a clip of War- Warwick Davis and uh, Mark Hamill. I want to say... Uh, uh, looks like a couple years ago during a star wars convention they're kind of talking to yeah, each other you got to remember they it's funny because you'll see him there and a lot of people that don't know he was wicked or mm-hmm. remember you know that there was a person in the suit they're kind of like what are you here for you know what I mean? And it's like no <laughs> like I'm I, 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 before I think, the sequels I, and I everything think, i think in a star wars convention warwick davis is a superstar i think people know his face but yeah, oh, yeah. if he's walking like in down the street normal people probably don't know who he is but this is this is the clip where he's talking to Mark Hamill. He's telling a story about them working together on Return of the Jedi, and it's a pretty sweet story. Uh, let me play that really quick. That uh, you, you said to me, do you collect Star Wars toys? And I said, yeah, I do have a few. And he said, well, to write down the things that you haven't got, the things that you might want, and I'll see what I can do. Well, I remember, rather embarrassingly now thinking about it, I filled up two sheets of paper full of all these things. <laughs> I gave you this whole yeah. list. My mum was horrified that right, I'd right. done this. She said, you should have just written a couple of things. But anyway, I gave you the list. You only came with everything I had written. Oh, and I still have it to great. this day. The Millennium oh, Falcon. Oh, wonderful. Like about eight Stormtrooper figures because I wanted a whole legion. Uh, I had the uh, the carrying case for the figures, the Dark oh, Vader carrying case. Oh, uh, So thank oh, you. Of course. Now, see, that to me is really meaningful. What a great story. It's freaking awesome, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because my mom wanted then the same thing. <laughs> yeah, why you why you ask for everything? <laughs> but you're a kid. First it shows that Warwick Davis was truly a fanboy of, of Star oh, Wars. Oh yeah. He wanted all the toys. 
and what a great story for for Mark Hamill to like do that for for you know a young uh, actor, uh, and you know like yeah, if I have the power, I'm going to give you as much uh, whatever you want on that list. Well, and too for him, even if he did it, to find out years later how much it meant. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes, and that was awesome for him. That Warwick still has it. That's for, <laughs> really great too. Yeah. Man, what, what, Warwick and uh, Mark Hamill, man. <laughs> Wicked and Luke Skywalker, they're 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 great heroes of ours. <laughs> they should be a rap duo. And you know what's funny? It's funny is with Mark Hamill, I always figured between the prequels with him showing up and at the end of ROTJ that he didn't really have anything. I did not know that he was the voice of the Joker mm. for decades. Like he is the he is the Joker. Like he's the one that everybody wants to play in any animated series. Like, yeah, yeah. It's got to be his voice. It's. It's insane. I didn't know he had that much of a career, like almost more of a career as that voice than Luke. It's crazy. Yeah, Mark Hamill really had like a second career as a voice actor. And, you know, Joker was probably the most prominent in his his resume. Repertoire, yes. (laughs) And uh, I don't know, maybe we should do another episode just on Mark Hamill. (laughs) Because I think he's an unappreciated uh, actor too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's like, like you know, Warwick, you know, the reason why we picked Warwick is because I don't think a lot of people give him enough credit. And, you know, there's like many of actors in the 80s and 90s that kind of fly under the radar and really kind of go go unseen or unappreciated. Well, especially with him, you underappreciate him because you don't know actually how much he is still doing. You know what I mean? Like if you yeah, look up yeah, his, yeah. like his IMDb, you figure Willow and... um. The Ewoks, Wicked, and yeah, then that's it. Yeah. The remakes, but in between, it's full of everything. You know what I mean? He's got a ton of stuff in there. Yeah, Warwick. I mean, probably right now he's most famous for a younger audience for his his work in Harry Potter. Yeah, and Harry Potter is such a big franchise for for the millennials. And it's a real small role. It's not even a big ass role. <laughs> and also, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but we got to talk about Leprechaun. And yes. that was like kind of his other big character in the nineties. I think they made like seven and he's in the first like five. Before we, uh, you know, leave Re- Return of the Jedi, I do want to say something about Return of, the, Return of the Jedi, which I just kind of, which I knew about, but I didn't realize how much I hate it. It's that George Lucas changed the ending of the Return of the Jedi for this new, what's it called? This new restoration his latest res- restoration, which was like a couple of years ago, decades ago. You're talking about when you put in Aiden? Yes. Or, <laughs> but that, uh, that's not, that's, I, that's fun. I, I, I kind of get, I get, I kind of get that, that he changed the actors and that, and there's certain no, changes. Fuck but, that. I hated that. As soon as I saw it, dude, <laughs> I'm like, you can't, you can't, no, you can't do that, dude. That's, I know. I know. That's not the it's, way it's, it's supposed to end. Dude. Yeah, I know. It was supposed to be the uh, other actor in the movie. In the in the movie itself, right? It, they didn't change the, the, the actor. Yeah, the the guy that's been in the three movies that count, and they just take his ass <laughs> yeah. out. And I'm like, oh man. It's funny. We you brought up Danny, and Danny used to do that all the time. The death scene of Darth Vader, and he goes, you know, go my son. <laughs> he would me me and Danny would joke about this all the time. He goes, he would go, go my son. He would do it verbatim. Go, my son. Now tell your sister you were right. All right. <laughs> Danny would fucking do this impression of, of Darth Vader dying. Every and, time you we, know funny? Every time we talk about Star Wars. And okay, so Seth Farland, dude, I, I like him, but mm-hmm. um and I even like Family Guy and 
the the things where he does the overkill, like mm-hmm. when Peter gets hurt, yeah, and he's like ah 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 for like half an hour, mm-hmm. like nothing compared to Danny. <laughs> Danny could overkill something right. for fucking years, <laughs> you know. What I mean? And it's as much as you wanted to strangle him for it, if he didn't do it, it would it wouldn't be him. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like we're talking like bad dates. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> Uh, or the papers, right? And it didn't matter what movie it was. He would just, oh god, man, I fucking love that guy. Danny, uh, yeah. If Danny was alive today, he would have been our third host of this podcast. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it, we would keep killing his mic too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the the, well, the, the main thing that I want to bring up, uh, <clears throat> the main thing I want to bring up about Return of the Jedi was that they changed the ending, the the, the celebration song. It's totally gone. Oh, the song? Yeah, the song. You know, the song that goes yub yub. I don't even. Yeah, I don't even yub. remember that. That's totally gone from this new cut. And I just want to play the original ending because I think that song yub 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 the that's gone. Let me bring it back. Here's the original ending. I gotta be honest. I, I was more upset with switching the bodies out. I didn't even notice the song part. Well, the thing is, they extended the ending in the original Return of the Jedi. It was just a celebration in that village. In this, new yeah, cut, but this one, they yeah, they put a, all the oh yeah, a celebration of different parts of the different, different planets, planets yeah. and it was a new cut, a new song cut from uh, I guess John Williams. But I mean, you can't beat Yub Yub. <laughs> yeah, Yub Yub. <laughs> um, let's talk about Willow. Yes, original or series or original? No, the, the, the original film. Let's talk about Willow good, really good, quick good. because I think this is now Warwick and, as an actor. I mean, he's not wearing yeah. any prosthetics. It, this is his kind of breakthrough Speaking performance. Speaking lines. And acting with Val Kilmer and big director Ron Howard, George Lucas And he's is only 18 it. years old. So it's not like he's in his 30s that I thought he was or <laughs> like has a whole bunch of chops behind him. This is like his big thing. The thing the thing is that it's set up that he is a farmer with children and he's married. So you just kind of naturally think that he's an older person. 
Yeah, you know, but in real in real life, he was only yeah eighteen. He was not even twenty yet, you know. So uh, here's another movie that it's a cult movie, but didn't get the box office love. And it was funny because I saw it in the movie theaters, mm-hmm. and I was blown away, dude. I thought it was great. It was the first adventure movie I think I saw. The first like epic mm-hmm. adventure. Like I'd seen the Goonies and stuff, but it wasn't like you know fantasy adventure. You know what I mean? This was like my first fantasy type of a movie and it blew me away i loved it i loved the storyline even though later on in life i find out it's pretty basic you know what i mean but it was like everything i was in awe the whole the whole <laughs> the whole movie you know what i mean i really was it, it's it's funny because when I, w- I was re-watching it a couple of days ago i'm like oh wow this is very much like lord of, lord of the rings you know oh yeah it's it's Willow is very much like Frodo Baggins, and he is set off on a magical journey, and he needs to save this little girl. It's like, and he comes back to the village as a hero. There I are touches. Of the rings ripped them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are touches of that kind of fantasy that will eventually, in the two thousands, become very normal. So, I think at this time in nineteen eighty eight. So this movie came out. Let me see. This movie came out May twentieth, nineteen eighty eight, which is my birthday. I was, um, I'm not good at math. Uh, you got to be 12. I was 12, yeah. I just turned 12. I have to say, not a huge fan of Willow. Motherfucker. <laughs> it's not that I hate it, but it was not something that I... You just came off of, <laughs> you just came off of the Jim Jones story, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, nobody drank the special juice and died. <laughs> it, it's, I just thought it was like an okay movie. I thought it was fine. It's not something I went back multiple times to watch, but I mean, how about you? I mean, what was your relationship with Willow? Was this something well, that you watched multiple times? Once it came more available, yeah, I'd watch multiple <laughs> times, but my mom, dude, you know how hard it was to get her to take me to the movies in the first place? <laughs> Ain't no way she's going to watch the same movie twice. <laughs> but uh, you know what it was? Uh, this was like the first movie that when I watched it, I'm like, this movie was made for kids. Mm-hmm, it's yes. made for me. Mm-hmm. It's made for children. Like, it was awesome. Like, I, I was like, like, if I was, like, like if I had a father figure, he wouldn't have sat. It would have been, like, looking at his watch. You know what I mean? It would have been, like, oh, let's get this over with. <laughs> but that's why I, I thought it was amazing. Everything happened. It was awesome. Like, I guess I hadn't been exposed to that much. Fantasy. Like, imagination, yeah, and fantasy stuff. And it, like, opened a whole new world. So, this was, like, my gateway into that. So, awesome. Like, and I thought, um, Val Kilmer was the shit. Val you know Kilmer I mean? awesome in the movie, yeah. Yeah, he he's he he steals it, but he doesn't steal it because he kind of still stays in his lane. Uh-huh. But I just and the even the two little brownies and they were <laughs> everything was cool, man. I got scared when those dogs with the rat tails were running around. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It was it like awesome oh. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and for I, I guess like because I think I was eleven. It's not that I thought it was real. But the the score is good, so when you're in a theater and everything's like that, you just it pulls you in really easy, you know. And so, like, I'm scared uh, of those rat things and or those <laughs> yeah those dog things, and I'm getting all worked up because he needs to hurry up and do the spell. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like you find yourself like for a little kid, I had anxiety, man. Like I don't know if they're gonna be able to pull this off. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know. And at the end, of course, when it does. You get the big payoff. So I remember walking out of there like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hell yeah. Like, Willow, like thinking it was a Will kicks ass. 
And then, you know, later on in life, I'm like, you know, if I'm a street fight, I don't want Willow to back me up. <laughs> <laughs> of all my characters that I mm-hmm. like, I'll take Matt Mardigan. He looks like he could throw some hands. But we'll keep Willow in the back. He he could drive. For me, I mean, I was a fan of fantasy at the time. Like, I, I, I told you this before, that there was an animated film that came out earlier in the 80s that I was a huge fan of. It was called Fire and Ice, which was an kind of like a, in a really adult fantasy film that was inspired by the illustrations of Frank Frazetta. And, you know, Frank Frazetta was like this really legendary fantasy artist, very kind of adult, contemporary, you know, dark artwork. And the movie, you know, the animated movie was so dark and, you know, nothing not like Willow, <laughs> nothing like Willow, but kind of like very similar in, in genre. And so I, when I saw Willow, I guess I just thought it was a little bit more family friendly. And it's, like I said, it's not that I hate the movie. I don't. It's just not, it wasn't one of my favorites. It's, I, I, would rank, I wouldn't rank it that high. But rewatching it again, I can't deny Val Kilmer's performance. I can't deny uh, Warwick's performance in it. The first time we see Val Kilmer as Mad Mardigan, it is a really fun uh, scene. And let me play that because. It, they had really great chemistry, those two. Oh, yeah, dude. The, that was kind of magic, yeah. And I heard sure. like Val Kilmer kind of just made up his own dialogue, or he, like, he, he went off the script a lot. So he is actually really, really good. And uh, he, let me just play the, the, his scene. That was really stupid, Peck. Don't call me a Peck. Oh, I'm sorry. Peck. Peck. Peck, 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 Peck. You be careful. I am a powerful sorcerer. See this acorn? I'll throw it at you and turn you to stone. Ooh, I'm really scared. No, don't, don't. There's a, a peck here with an acorn pointed at me. I wouldn't want to waste it. Ha! Peck, 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 peck. You know, my sister, she's short, right? Yeah. And dude, her whole life, I've always fucked with her. And it's like, I'll be walking down the hallway, and if she's in my way, because there's a part later on, or around that scene, where he's trying to give the baby away to full-size people marching down the road. Right, right. And the first guy, when she, he, like, holded the baby, the dude's response is, out of the way, Peck. <laughs> yes, yes. So, dude, my whole life, when I walked, and my sister's in front of me, out of the way, Peck. <laughs> and I don't think she's ever understood what that's from. <laughs> but my whole life, dude, since 1988, <laughs> that's what I've done to her. Oh. Peck is a horrible yeah, name. No. <laughs> it is, but she didn't know I was being like mean to it. Like I was actually commenting on her size. <laughs> she might have thought I meant something else, like her hair or whatever. But yeah, no, I mean, oh, Kilmer's so good in that. And then uh, later on, when um, uh, he's trying to concentrate so he could turn the chicken to the sorceress, the <laughs> yeah. good one. Yeah, and she's like, "I'm a beautiful woman." So and then he's like, "Concentrate, will." He thinks it's all stupid until he finds out she's beautiful. Concentrate with her. Yeah, the, the, I mean, I, I would have loved to see more kind of their chemistry in the in, within the movie. I think they're it's sporadically dispersed in the film. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, look, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to criticize the film. I think it, it works for what it is. Um, well, I think Warwick Davis is fantastic in it too. I mean, he. I just was shocked that that this was a precursor to a lot of the Lord of the Rings films that we got in the early 2000s. Yeah. It's almost exactly the same genre. And 
again, that medieval fantasy was not very kind of uh, predominant. It wasn't mainstream yet. And and the ones that were out there were geared for literally a specific target group. Like young Dungeons and Dragon type kids, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. A lot of them are cartoons that were straight to like after school specials or low budget movies that only a few people were going to go see. Mm-hmm. Like the people involved were all big fans. That's how they got made. But this one, yeah, like you said, it's like a gateway into these movies can put asses in the seat. And tell good stories, but, or I was going to say, especially for this one, um, it's just, I think they did a good, I think they did a good focus point choosing Warwick as the main character, because it's, it's, it's going to sound bad, but it's not that, it's kind of like everybody likes him and he's very likable as far as all his good characteristics, but it's not like you have to be some super huge superhero you know what i mean to do the right thing you know what i mean he it's it's because he's of small stature it's it's like it shows you you don't have to be opposing physically you know what i mean as long as your heart's in the right spot blah 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 you can you can do the right thing and you can save the world basically you know that's kind of like the common thread with all these films even like return of the jedi with the ewoks Willow and Lord, Lord of the Rings, the Hobbits. It, the point of those those characters is that just because of, like we're saying, just because they're small in, in stature, doesn't mean that they can't make uh have an impact, yeah, yeah, or a contribution, and have a major impact in, in within the fight or within the 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 war or within whatever they're the the, the battle they're trying to achieve. And I think that's what I really loved about the Ewoks. That's what I really love about Willow. Well, really, why people really love about Lord of the Rings is because it doesn't matter about size. It doesn't matter about even st- your stature. It as long as you have heart and persistence, you could overcome anything. And I think that, those are the kind of the theme or the subtext of these these fantasy movies. And I think that's why people are drawn to it to them. And it's almost like oh, there's a bunch of nerds that like this shit. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Sure. But it shows you that nerds count and, right? you know, right? they also can do great things. And then when you realize, like, I don't know, if, when the cool people start watching, it's like, you know, what? maybe the nerds aren't so nerdy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, these guys, they have, they have a value too, but it's just like, yeah, it don't, like, don't ever label anything before you give it a try. Like, like if I was younger, I'd be like, nah, it's like a, it's a nerd movie. But now, nah, like, dude, I do, and I'm horrible. I watch everything, even <laughs> things that sh- are shit. But like, if anything, even I'll watch something to know why I wouldn't watch it. You know what I mean? So it's just like these movies. I'm glad people are giving them a try. You know what I mean? That's. I think other people are understanding that mainstream is more, more of a stream than they thought it was. Mainstream, even though they use the word mainstream, it it was very narrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was yeah. a lot of things that didn't fit the bill. But now, dude, you can fit anything into that. And it's good because we're making movies with substance. We're making movies that people want to watch, not just that we're not choosing between A and B. You know what I mean? There's A through Z, 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 <laughs> and we're making our own choices. We're not choosing between two things people are shoving down our throats. Uh, to go back to Willow, and <laughs> go back to Willow, um, I just, you know, like, my problems with Willow is, like, I wish they had was a little more scenes with, with Val Kilmer doing his shit. Like, I love that scene where, you know, Willow goes, 
you all are great. And, and let me play that. I mean, I think that was just a great kind of scene. I just wish there were but more then, scenes but like that. But even what you're saying is that goes straight into like a little bit where he falls, right? Oh, yeah. Battle yeah. type scene. Right, right. Yeah. the first time i saw about kilmer dude oh you didn't see him like in top secret um you know what i don't think i'd seen it chronologically yet mm. because i was i saw this in the theater so that puts me maybe, at like maybe you're right i 10 mean I, or 11 yeah the top secret i saw in video like later as a teenager it's funny because like a lot of his movies just came out like those years like willow top gun top <laughs> top secret uh um top gun uh um real genius mm-hmm. he all of a sudden there was a time without Val Kilmer, and then there was a time with Val Kilmer. Yeah. yeah. And, and which just happened like within like 1987 to 1988. Yeah, because he even did, what, this, did that movie, The Saint. Yeah, he like right into the early 90s. Yeah, in the 90s, he 95? was like, he was taking off. He, when, when he did Heat, oh man. Yeah. And Tombstone and Heat, he was on his on the road of becoming one of the great actors. and then, Superstar, yeah. And then he had this bad reputation of being difficult on the set and- also, he had the illness that happened, you know, a couple of years ago. You know, the, I would recommend w- watch that documentary, Val. Oh, yeah. Which goes on. so which, good. Which talks about his career and talks about how, you know, his mistakes and his regrets, but really talks about, like, the films that, that made his career. And, you know, I didn't know anything about his personal life and about his family and his brothers. Yeah, it's, it's, it was so good. And you could kind of follow the arc of stardom to his own humility to himself you know what i mean like humility like kind of like almost like realizing that hey sometimes what you put out you get you know what i mean it, it it really brought him down to the meat and potatoes of what life's about with his condition yeah and everything and in his kind of r- relationship with his family with his with his oh yeah children. his kids and his wife yeah, yeah. so uh, it's it's and dude you hear about it, it's like his brothers and stuff yes that's like the thing that was that was some crazy shit dude yeah the early yeah, like tragedies he's a lot yeah, yeah, he's he's a lot more than what you see on screen, and I'm glad I watched it. I'm, I really because I liked him, but now I really get him, mm-hmm. and I really like him. He's a cool. It's really un- unfortunate that he wasn't. You know, like I, he's not. It's not like he's dead, but I mean, you, you know, with the throat cancer or or it's an issue. But I think it's actually getting. It's on the mend. Mm-hmm. But he's like the damage will never get fixed. It's like it stopped being bad, but it's not going to reverse. So he's going to always have the issues where he's not going to be able to talk for a while. I think he can't put a lot of words out at one time. Like, you know what I mean? Like he can't talk for a long time without it getting real bad. 
and his voice is just different. It's not there. Yeah, it's gargled. Has this gargled kind of thing. And um, did you see Top Gun Maverick? Yes. I'm glad he was in that. I'm glad he was in it. I, I, I was really shocked at how emotional I got when I saw him on the screen. Yeah. And when, when Tom is talking to him, and I thought that that, that scene was fantastic, and I thought he was great it in was. it. <laughs> and I, I think the movie's fantastic, too. Uh, I was really shocked that I was going to fall for it, because I thought it was very manipulative, you know? Are you going to bring these two guys from, you know? Yeah, like... <laughs> like but it worked, and it didn't... It was everything you expected them to do, and to be like, come on, that was a cheap... It, cheap, like a cheap yeah. way to do it. Yeah, yeah. A cheap shot. And mm-hmm. it was. And it was like more of an homage and like a, like, thank you for your, everything you did for the first one in the series. You know right. what I mean? Right. It was. I, yeah, I, I know, dude. I got, I got choked up. I, I was got, like, fuck, man. Fuck. I got, and it, it took, and it took a while because like, I, the first time I watched Top Gun Maverick, I was like, ah, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get the hype. Oh, the movie? I said, yeah, it's a good movie, but I don't, I don't get it. And then I saw it again on Paramount Plus on when it became available on streaming. And then I go, oh shit, this movie's fucking awesome. <laughs> I, I'm so wrong. This movie's great. Yeah. This movie's really, really awesome. And it was weird because my wife's not a big like, oh, let's go watch movies. Mm-hmm. She poked the shit out of me about watching that movie. Mm-hmm. Like she wanted to see, wanted to see, wanted to see. Yeah, I mean, it was and I'm like the biggest one of the biggest yeah. movies of last year. Everyone was just, just was yeah, she a big Top Gun super... fan? I didn't think so. That was sweet. That was even weirder. But she, I guess she is. I know my sister in law is because her brother's sister. Every time that movie's mentioned, she's in love with Slater, Val Kilmer's wingman, the buff dude that was in Terminator. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's like all into that dude. Like she said, she had posters of him. And, wow, really? Like, how? Who has posters of like the third favorite? Like you know <laughs> what I mean? Like almost an extra for movies. But yeah, wow. That's her dudes. And yeah, I didn't even know his name was Slater, Slider, whatever the fuck. Have you watched the new Willow series? You said you watched a couple episodes. Yeah, I've, I've watched like three episodes, mm-hmm. and I actually like it. The only thing is, I watch it late at night because nobody else was going to watch it with me. Mm-hmm. So I wait till they all leave, and then I've been going to, I've been falling asleep just, I used to go to bed at like one, and now it's like 11, I'll just zonk out, so... I think I'm up to episode three or four. Yeah, I saw the first, like, three of them, and I haven't seen them all yet. I, I will. It's just I keep falling asleep. Um, I actually like the ensemble, though. I really like the kid that's the the jerk in the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that guy cracks me up, man. But, uh, like, he plays... I didn't actually even know he had that kind of range until I'd seen him in this. And, uh, it's... Dude, it's really good, man. It's... It's okay. It's not as great as at first when I heard about it, I thought it was a remake, so I was really not on board. But then it's kind of an extension of the movie into a series, which works out good for me because as long as you're not remaking something that I thought was good enough, mm-hmm. you know, I'll give it a whirl. But so far, it's been really good. I saw the first episode, and I, I don't know, I wasn't necessarily digging it. the The comedy in it was a little too much for me. Not that like, the the first movie was all serious, or you know, the original film was all serious. I think actually the re- original film had a little bit of comedy in it, but I think this one was like like sitcom level type, you know. Uh, which yeah, is... I, I, but isn't that that's like Warwick's thing, right? Like he likes to interject comedy into mm-hmm. yeah, I guess into so. Most of his work, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's he's great at, at the. Com- I mean, he's I, I would say like he's the only one who's capable of the comedy in the in the cast. 
don't know. It's 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 not for me. I, like I was saying, like before, I was not. I never was a huge fan of Willow, the bit. original film. So it was fine. Uh, I just like uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll go back and finish it. But um, I really kind of miss. I think I think a lot of people would would agree. It, it is missing Val Kilmer, and obviously you can't have Val Kilmer now because of his yeah, health condition. And they kind of they kind of allude to it in the show. Yeah, not that he has a condition, but they don't. They just kind of. He went off to fight a war. You know what I mean? One of those, <laughs> those it's, deals. It's like still, to explain. It's, yeah, he's still a mystery of where he is now. He's still alive. Yeah, and maybe there there might be a chance to bring him back if there is a second a second season. But you know, this being the thirty fifth anniversary this year, we'll celebrate the thirty fifth anniversary of Willow, the original film. To, Ten years ago, when they were celebrating the twenty fifth anniversary, when it came out on Blu Ray. Val Kilmer and and Warwick Davis uh, did a little reunion and they to to promote the the Blu-ray disc, and they did a little bit and let me play that little clip because they did a little bit on it on on you could that you could watch online, and it really just kind of shows you that they have true chemistry and I just wish that you know he was in better condition because I think it would have been a lot better series if they could bring back these two. Yeah, and I'm sure it would have done better on the. The ratings would have pulled a lot more. Oh yeah, yeah. Viewers, I think so too. Willow, Willow. Fifth anniversary year this year, and we have a Blu-ray to celebrate. And uh, twenty-five years ago. Wouldn't believe it, would you? Look at us now. No. You I were just a just a wee one back then. Seventeen years old. Seventeen years old. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now, now I'm forty-three. But I think we've we've sort of matured like a good. Good wine. Look at us. Look at us there. It's a movie that's remembered very fondly by a lot of people, though. It is, it? still. You find people say, can't oh, Matt Mardigan. Can't go through an airport without someone saying, peck, 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 peck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the most common thing people say to me, actually. Really? You started that. Well, that's because that's what you were. Years of abuse started yeah. by you. That was a lot of fun. Saying peck. Yeah. So what is, what's your overriding memory of, of Willow? Just think about it and use my name in this story. It's, it's you, Warwick. Thank you. So much love and heart. Mm. You, you are what inspired Peter Jackson's career. <laughs> aren't, aren't you? That's what you said to me <laughs> earlier in the trailer. So. <laughs> <laughs> Willow inspired I don't think uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah, it would have been nice to be in it, though, Peter. Yeah. We were there first, though. We were there first. We and, started and, all that, And we? New Zealand. Yeah. We filmed in New Zealand. Yeah, we started that. It was a lot of fun. He was just following in our tiny footsteps. <clears throat> yeah, the producer was George Lucas. Mm -hmm. Never hear about him anymore. <laughs> sort of faded. Right, extra features on here. Yes. Okay, we've got deleted scenes with Ron Howard. He's in it? The making of an adventure with Ron Howard. <laughs> From Mort to Morphine. With Dennis Muren. So Willow, an busy. unlikely hero. Yeah, now keep going. That's Personal you. video diary of Warwick Davis. Now that's oh. the feature to die for. That's never been did out you, there. Did you before. video? Remember, I had my camera and you I kept do. doing stuff. You know what I remember? It was, it was the size of your torso. Pardon? It was a giant <laughs> back then, like cell phones. They oh, my torso. Huge. Yeah. yeah we, there was a big old camera, wasn't yeah. it? I looked like a little sort of mini yeah. news team. I'd like to see that. It's on there. It's all on there. You don't call, you don't write. 
And then, uh, then matte paintings is the final riveting feature on there. But they it's are very good, good though. It, hold, it holds up, Willow. Yeah. And, uh, and it's remastered yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, looking at us now, it's, it's as if we've been remastered as well. <laughs> nice. Isn't it? Do you like what I, yes. see what I did there? Mm. Yes. So, so there you have it, Willow. Willow. I actually like what they've done with the new cover because, you know, in relative terms, you're not any bigger than me, which is yeah. a good thing. Mm-hmm. This is slightly odd. It, that just gives you a little taste of how great they are together. I mean, they're fantastic in that little that was promo bit. Hilarious. I never heard that. <laughs> yeah, that was that, good. that's funny. I mean, it, so it would have been such a, you know, in the perfect world, it would be such such a great uh, thing if they would have reunited for the series. So, so uh, maybe that's what's kind of bothering me with the new series because uh, it is missing Val Kilmer. But I get it. Yeah, I, think, I mean, know, I get yeah. it. It sucks because you, I mean, you totally understand why. But it's just, yeah, I get it. Poor guy. <laughs> um, let's get into uh, Leprechaun. This is uh, Warwick Davis's other great franchise. Uh, maybe great. It's uh, the you know. We'll go with the largest body of work, <laughs> probably. And yes, and he is very known for it, and people love this horror series. What, what's your feelings? Yeah, cool classic. Yeah, what's your feelings about the... Have you seen all the films in the in the film series? I know I've... I swear I've seen up to, I think, uh, Leprechaun, like, four or five, the one that's in the hood. <laughs> yes. And then they actually, they actually stopped doing the numbers. And would reference, it was like Back to the Hood, but it wasn't like part six Back to the Hood. And then he, I think he went to space and <laughs> then they had like Leprechaun Revelations. They had so many, dude. But I think the main body is maybe four or five of them. It's, it's crazy. There were a lot though. Are you, sure. so are you, were you always a big fan of the Leprechaun series? The original for sure. Me and my brother watched it constantly. <laughs> Um, and I know we watched part two just because all of a sudden it was like part two showed up at the video store. And then I think we were kind of pot committed, like, and we watched the third and the fourth, but they were so cheesy. They were like a one-time watch. Can't remember them. I didn't even actually look for them. I just rewatched Leprechaun because I, I, I mean, I want to say that I saw this within the last year just because I, like, something made me think about it and I watched it. <laughs> so I'll still occasionally watch this flick and. Especially because it's, it's, I mean, sadly, now it's just known as the movie that Jennifer Aniston started in, you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. So you have those fans, and then you have cult classic fans, just because it's a little evil leprechaun, you know? It falls into the, into the satire, like, the can't be flicks, the camp, like, yeah, can't be 90s yeah, horror films. Um, yeah, the Critters, Gremlins, all those little spooky little monster movies so so this is actually this came out originally it was released in january 8 1993 so this year is marking its 30th anniversary oh fuck that's a long time ago it's a long time ago and now i was thinking about that you know 1993 i think this was the same year that we we, we met right i mean i want to say we met around this this year around um i think it was i was a sophomore in high school and i graduated in 95 so yeah it had to be right and it was okay. So, and I got my license on the sixteenth. Oh, what? Like on the 
when I was 16, a week after I turned 16. So that's April. Okay, there you go. So most likely April 1993, we met for the first time. So so you did you see this in theaters or did you see this in, in a via, no. video? We always loved horror movies. Mm -hmm. And the first movie I ever saw on my own slash horror was a double feature. And it was Pet Cemetery and 976 Evil. <laughs> and my mom dropped me and my brother off with two of our friends. That was the first like scary movie I've ever seen in the theater. Like right around this time, but yeah, yeah. I, I I never got to choose the movie we saw in the theater. It was just I remember for some weird reason she dropped us off and we got to watch that flick. Speaking about Leprechaun, now I only seen chunks of this and I only heard about the movie, so I haven't really seen You've the whole You've never seen the full movie. I never saw the full movie until yesterday. And I go, where the fuck am I gonna find Leprechaun? Do you have to drive to somewhere to find Leprechaun? And it's on a thing called Tubi, Tubi TV, which is this great, you know, this is not a commercial for them, but I, I highly give you my approval. Tubi TV is like this free streaming app, absolutely free. It has commercials, you know, for on, on each movie, but it has a really great Wait, selection. Wait, is it Tubi of, or Freebie? There's a Freebie, which is connected to the Amazon Prime because oh, okay. it's all in the okay. same family. But this is a TubiTV.com, which you could download the app for your whatever device you have, or you could actually just watch it on your desktop. And it, you know, it has a ton of horror movies, ton of like just like just random movies. And it's all free and it's great. And it has Leprechaun. It had like a lepre I think it has like a, the whole franchise, or at least like the first four or something like that. And so I just, I was watching the first movie and, um, cause I knew we were going to talk about Warwick Davis and this is kind of one of his, you know, he's, he's most known for popular role. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to watch it. Also, I had to watch Jennifer Anderson's film debut huh? and see what was all the fuss about. And, and you know, it's funny. She's like the same age as she was on friends. Right. So I don't think this catapulted her and her friends, but it's I right mean, around the same time, right? I mean, I think the, the year after this, she got friends and, you know, as soon as she got friends, she became a superstar. Yeah. Just because of the popularity of that show. You know, when I was watching it, I go, oh, yeah, yeah. You could tell that she was going to be a great, great comic actress. I mean, it's look, it's a campy movie. It's a campy horror movie. And she's pretty good in it, you know. <laughs> she's good. Maybe, you, maybe you'll agree with me, but... It really seems like 90s horror movies were really well done, even though they had low budgets, budgets, but they're like, there was a, there was a kind of style to them that looked really good, even though it's set in some kind of studio or back lot of some, you know, movie studio somewhere, but it, there's a certain degree of craftsmanship in, in these films. Yeah. It's almost like they took pride. They didn't think it was, oh, this is a cheesy, shitty movie. <laughs> they treated it like it was the you know like hey this is a movie you know like we need to do our best at all aspects of this thing you know it's like it's not like okay this is this is we're gonna make some money on this movie you know don't try too hard you know what i mean this was like legit it was a legit movie it's like they wanted to make this for the people that were gonna enjoy it you know i know what you're saying yeah it seems like there were like a nine to five aspect to it like people coming in doing a job trying to get as, as as good as they can. And I just know this is something about 90s horror movies or just maybe 90s films that I noticed that there is a certain degree of of craftsmanship that are is pretty decent. 
Like I noticed this with uh, um, when I watched uh, American Werewolf in Paris, which was the 90s sequel. I remember that, even though that that was a piece of shit film, <laughs> but I remember it being like somewhat decent enough where it, not the CGI, the CGI was terrible, but there was a, just the way it was shot. Cinematography was really, really good. You and, know, you, I know what you're trying to say without saying it. These movies were not Sharknado. Exactly. Yeah, they're not. Right. They're not this, like yeah. cheesy digital jokes. They're right. not jokes. They're real fucking movies. There was like a professionalism to it that that you don't see nowadays with these like kind of low budget horror movies. You know, like I remember watching like the sequels to Candyman recently, and going, "Oh man, they're, they're you know, they're, like these cinematographers were really really good." Yeah, and it's kind of like I don't know, it, oh, like they tried harder because hey, maybe this. This is the movie that they're gonna take to oh, yeah. apply for their next movie. You yeah, know this what is I mean? this is their calling card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are smart enough to be like, okay, maybe the movie wasn't a blockbuster, mm-hmm. but if I'm hiring a DP or um, whatever for whatever part, watch the movie and just pull out how good the scenes are framed and you know what I mean and all the camera tricks. And, like fuck, that is that's a great you know director photography right there. <laughs> Even though the movie might have been shit or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, like, you never know. Like the op- the opening of Leprechaun, which is it opens on a old couple who <laughs> just oh, wait. I was I was gonna say because I rewatched it too, mm-hmm. and dude, you know what? I was thinking because I saw it when I was a kid. This movie could have been really fucking scary. Oh yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Because my son oh. was watching it, and he's fourteen. He's like, "Oh, you watching Leprechaun?" I'm like, how the hell did you watch Leprechaun? Because Dad, I've seen Leprechaun. Like, but I don't remember playing it for you. But that means that somebody put a clip of it somewhere, ah. and it was interesting enough for him to look out and find. You know In- what I mean? Interesting, yeah. Because I think that it, was crazy. Well, you know, we talked about this before that before we recorded that I think there is a new wave of horror fans. Uh, certainly, young group, and you were saying like it's the A two four films, and uh, you know the Bloomhouse the people. Bloomhouse, yeah, yeah, these are oh, young yeah. generation who are grown up on these movies. And now they're having this really appreciation of horror movies. And now they're going back to the 90s and trying to revisit those those films. Or maybe just rediscover or just discover them for the first time. And to you know, for us, Leprechaun was this really cheesy movie that came out in the 90s. But for them, it's kind of like this revered cult classic or something. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's great. They breathe new life into them. They, mm-hmm. I would love it if these guys could just appreciate where things came from. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, that's the good thing about it. Yeah, don't give credit where it's not due it's these are the films that paved it yeah i think that's specifically for horror fans i think it's growing it's growing in a new level that we haven't seen before yeah i like it uh, but going back to leprechaun the opening really shot well even though it was kind of this silly premise about this guy who just buried his mother stole gold <laughs> and, and from ireland <laughs> he's an irish man he's from ireland and then he's, he moves back to or he, he travels back to to the states and un, unbeknownst to him, he brings back the leprechaun, and then the leprechaun kind of kills his wife. But before he was able, he's able to uh, trap him in a box in the basement with a four-leaf clover. A really kind of elaborate scene. Yes, there's some cheesy parts, but it really looked. But good. it was smart though, because I never thought about a four-leaf clover as being like a weapon against a leprechaun. I like that <laughs> concept because they never said the leprechauns were bad. They're just were tricksters to try to get their gold back but yeah and i 
I just thought it was funny because they don't even like show the leprechaun's face really mm-hmm. until the second, like the second act, I guess, when everybody's already gone and it's been like years, and then all of a sudden they come back to the ranch type of thing. You don't know how menacing it is. It's just the voice and it's doing things, and I liked it. It was a good opening scene. Yeah, it was a really good opening scene. I, I, I um, but it could have been scary, dude. It was, yeah, it was. It was shot well. It was lit well. You know, Warwick Davis is pretty good in it. <laughs> He's doing the voice of the wife that's dead. <laughs> yeah. Just and he comes out with the the tea and it's still piping hot. <laughs> and then then they go back and then like right afterwards, he's downstairs with the dead wife. He's like propping her up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's yeah. still doing her yeah. voice. <laughs> Dude, that shit was scary, man. I, like I was like, I want to say that we must have watched it when we were younger. Scared us, but made us laugh too. So that's why we kept watching it over and over again. <laughs> it was like when you find something that pushes your envelope. You keep doing it just to make sure you're still like that tough or that cool. I think because dude, we had to watch this movie like fifty times when we were little. That's <laughs> I can't believe you didn't see the whole thing. I uh, yeah, as a kid. You know what? Was this a, one of those movies that would appear on cable, like like cable or something mm-hmm. like that? I don't think so. I think we had we would just it was a go to for the rental. Yeah. So when there was nothing good to rent, we just rent this one over and over again. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a I, you know what it is. I I think. <laughs> I was 16 when this movie came out. I was becoming more of a film snob. I was getting into the independent movement, you know, Pulp Fiction, all those guys. And I just was a different, it was a different scene. And I, I like yeah. I was saying, I, you know, when it com- comes to, when it comes to the horror films, there's big chunks of the eighties and nineties where I've missed out. There's big, there's some franchises I miss and haven't seen yet. And that's maybe one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast because it just allowed me to go back and like kind of fill fill in those holes and talk about them, you know. Among us two, you're the I would say you're the bigger horror expert because you you kind of lived it. I mean, you're the guy who you're the typical horror guy who would go to the local video store and get get all the horror stuff. That wasn't me yeah, from uh, birth. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't really me. That was I was more kind of like French films, <laughs> not that French, no, no, but more of the independent <laughs> movement kind of stuff and. The dramas and the genre films, but uh, I the, 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 and then like I had a fun time watching this, even though it is a really campy film. I, I mean, once we get to that, once we're done with the opening scene, and then once we get the introduction of Jennifer Aniston's character, who is really there only because her father has bought this new farmhouse. Yeah, she's the the what do you call it? The um, she's the the city girl that they plopped into the country. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like she even says like I'm gonna get out of here. I'm gonna rent a uh, a hotel room, and and then she meets like the hunky handyman and decides to stay there. And that because of that, that's the reasons why she's in the movie for the rest of the movie. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's like it's but like, they did that to a lot a lot of those movies when they had the young girl that just wanted to right. get back. Yeah, they always have the the country guy that's all buffed out doing something <laughs> with the material she is given. She is. Pretty good. I mean, she's able to make the, some of those scenes funny, and uh, and her, you could tell by her chop she was the one that was gonna be. If you put everybody on, said, okay, now who do you think's gonna be? Who do you think's gonna make more movies? You know what I mean? She, it was, it was definitely gonna be her. She, she was just more natural. She did the lines better. You could tell she was a little better at her craft, even though she was super young. Yeah, I think you, you could tell that she was going to go places, and she did have. I would say she had comedic chops, and uh, re- her reactions are, are are great. And I, you know, there was like these rumors that she really didn't like 
people knowing that she was part of this franchise, you know, or she was well, a, I could ashamed. Kind of being embarrassed. Yeah. And so it's I, like I, a, a dirty little secret. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I was look. I was trying to look for a interview of hers, and I did find a one interview where she did talk about it, and she was actually, you know, very kind of uh, appreciative uh, of of being. No, part that's of- cool because you don't want them to be snobby in your yeah, mind, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, let me. Well, I'll play it. Let me play the clip first film went on to like spawn so many sequels became a huge cult hit leprechaun uh-uh. um, i mean <laughs> thank you i love that Bringing movie. Up my highlights of my career no, <laughs> no but i mean getting yeah. the lead no in the i movie. know that was a big yeah. deal that, that was a, a big deal, deal with with uh, um warwick davis come on from willow I was pretty psyched about that. Yeah. Running away from a leprechaun. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. What yeah. was the experience like? I mean, auditioning for horror I was horror so films. excited. I don't know. I don't know. what. I would wish I could remember that audition because I really do block them out of my mind because I, I fear them so much. Um, but I just remember getting the call that I got that and I couldn't believe it. First time going to a trailer and, you know getting your makeup put on for you and your hair done. It was so exciting. And it's crazy, like, the cult following that that movie has. I know. <laughs> Why didn't I get asked back, I wonder? Yeah, there's been, like, six sequels. I know. Leprechaun in the Hood, Leprechaun in Space. They went to space? They did go to space. Yeah. And Leprechaun in the Hood is kind of a musical. Really? Yeah, he raps in it. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I gotta get myself some of that. That's pretty brilliant. Oh my god! They might give you an audition if you ask. Oh my god! <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yeah, she didn't like be like, "Oh, let's pass or skip." You yeah. Know? How dare you brought that up? You know. Yeah, it, 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 she seemed appreciative. You know, yeah. it's dude. It, it got you to the spot where someone could notice you. You know what I mean? Even if it's a the movie, just even if we were making fun of it because it was just a big old piece of shit, it got her to her next gig. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also it, it was the fir- her first experience of of to acting on a set and get familiar with. Yeah, it was with, legit. Yeah, shit, makeup artists and their own trailer. And I think that's what makes the '90s horror movies so special that they it, it had these departments, it had the makeup department, the set department. You know, like if you do a low budget horror movie nowadays, it'll probably be like only five people there, in green know? suits everywhere, and you have to do your own makeup and you have to like drive yourself to the set. You know, like I I worked with a lady that did makeup and she did it in like i'd say like in the the mid 2010s uh-huh. and she did it for like a lot of low budget films but um she said the weird thing is like you could tell the low budget because it was like one makeup person and she did the makeup for everybody yeah see yeah and it was kind of like very limited like a little bit here a little bit there and it's just to keep the the continuity of the scene mm. and then everybody goes out and then it's like she would take her own pictures so that the next day she could make sure she does the same. So she had like, they give her like a Polaroid. So she would like take the pictures just to make sure that the next day she was putting them in the same getup and everything. But then even that got stretched out where she had to get another job and then she finally stopped doing that. So basically she was doing the job of like five people. <laughs> like a whole crew, yeah, like yeah. a whole makeup crew. And But yeah, now you got some guy on his phone with four friends <laughs> and they're making goddamn Cloverfield over there. <laughs> okay, the funniest thing in Leprechaun, dude, and it's... There's a lot. It dates itself, right? Because even though it's 93, <laughs> there's like a lot of like. So they have the kid from, uh, or the guy from um, the Pee Wee Herman movie. Yes. Uh, Mark Holton or whatever. He plays Ozzy. He's a little slow in the brain. Right, and right, there's right. There's the part where the kid gets the, he finds out, they find the gold. 
And he's talking to a little kid, and he's like, I can tell if it's gold or not. He's like, I seen it in a movie. You just got to bite it. And so the kid, he goes to bite it, and he gets hurt. And he goes, you know what this means? He's like, what? He goes, we can finally get your surgery. <laughs> What's wrong with me? It's like, you know, we can get him to fix your brain. <laughs> Which is cute because it's a kid, but then it's just like, man, that's not real PC, dude. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about all the parts that were scary. The last sequence, when he comes out of the well, do you remember that part? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The very and he's all kid. melting. Right. Dude, that shit would have scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Like, it was almost like a skeletal, and it had, like, almost like sharp-ass fangs. Mm-hmm. That thing was scary, man. But, like, the whole cheesy parts on the on the tricycle and on the... <laughs> yeah, it's 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 funny, because it, 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 it's it's almost scary, then slapstick. Then almost scary, then cheesy. Then, you know what I mean? And that's kind of how the movie progresses all the way through. Yeah, well, I mean, I think what's great about the portrayal of this leprechaun is, you know, Warwick Davis has, you know, for, for a little person, he has kind of an agile performance. He's able to move his body pretty good. He has a kind of a, a skippy sense to his walk. There's, you know, he skips around and um, he's very physical. Uh, and also there's a lot of like one-liners in this film that he's really good at. I mean, he's actually a really good actor and he, he can sell these one-liners really good. And um, yeah, he's working with the prosthetic, and he's working with that kind of the the look of the of the leprechaun, and it comes through. Dude, he's his got like comes four through. heels on. Yeah, and he's, it, yeah, he's got those boots. They keep showing him every time they show his feet. I'm like, there's regular sized people that can't walk in those kind of shoes. Yeah, I know. I mean, and he's he's like a very physical being, and he he's all you know in a lot of ways he's he is like a kind of like a stunt man. So the, it's a good performance, and it's a, it's a good design of a character or, or a villain. And I think that's the reason why it has become a cult franchise because people just love this character and really kind of love Warwick for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I dug it. I mean, overall, if you haven't seen it, you got to see it. It's. I, I just assumed everybody had seen it, man. I, I really did. Well, yeah, I can't I mean, believe you didn't see I, it until you told me. Like we we're saying, like this is the year where we met, and I, I, I do remember like you quoting quoting the movie. Well, I mean, it's the kind of the the famous quote, like. I wants me go, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah. And I, I remember you saying that a lot, you know, a couple times uh, as we, you know, that that was the common language at the time. We would just constantly quote movies, and you know, this, yeah. The last thing we, we saw is that that's that was our dialect for a while. <laughs> yeah. So there's plenty of times where we just have full conversations of just quoting other movies. <laughs> <laughs> but I always I, wonder what that looked like from the outside. It probably looked like a, like we were crazy people. <laughs> like, what the fuck they're yeah, talking like, about? Okay, so if, if we're standing in line to watch a movie, everybody in line probably understands what we're doing. Right. But if we're, like, in a restaurant, they, they're like, dude, what the hell are these guys? You know, like, can we move seats? <laughs> <laughs> also, we look around and nobody sits next to us. Uh, so did, did you watch any of the... So you watched the sequels to The Leprechaun. I know I did, but did, I didn't watch them for this podcast. I didn't do a rewatch. Yeah, me either. I but mean, I know I'd seen them. Yeah. I don't know the second one, it got cheesy. I remember the beginning of the second one was that um, one gold coin was missing. So, like, he mm-hmm. wouldn't rest because just one, and it was, like, sold. Like, somebody found it and gave it to a pawn shop guy. And then the leprechaun followed him to the pawn shop, you know, showed up at the pawn shop. Right, But right. he, yeah, he'd given it to, like, some kid, and they took it, whatever. Like, that was the whole premise that they were following, just, like, for the one coin that was missing. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I guess the only really kind of cool scene I can really think of is when uh, when Jennifer Anderson, and I'm talking about the original film, when Jennifer Anderson, um, <laughs> I kind of out of the blue mentions that the the original owner, the the the, the guy who was in the opening credits. The opening scene, the Irish dude, the old Irish dude, that now is living in a retirement home, and they were they were saying that yeah, you got to go find him, and because he'll know how to kill a leprechaun. So she gets away, and she goes to the retirement home. And I remember, oh shit, retirement home—that's just like kind of a trope, a horror trope, like something about retirement homes or something, something like inherently creepy about that. Yeah, so, <laughs> like that's where you go to wait to die. <laughs> so. So she goes to find the guy to find out, and behind you only see the back of his head, and he's talk. She's talking to him. He turns around, and it's the leprechaun. It's Warwick Davis as the leprechaun, and so let me play that clip because I think it's 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 pretty funny. It's pretty great. It's pretty <laughs> yeah, cool. No, it's, it's 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 a classic. It's a classic, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's a classic move. Oh, this is the, oh, this is the rap. Off with her. That's the one that she's to mention. <laughs> Mr. O'Grady, it's out. It's out of the crate. You believe it? No one believed it was a leprechaun. I believe it. How do we stop it? There's only one way. One way to kill a leprechaun. But I'm not going to tell you. Now Warwick Davis is in in a wheelchair and he's like gliding through these hallways like a maniac and I go man that's a pretty dangerous stunt for a little person and you know and he's doing like with like with great ease and, and grace, you know. He's he's great, you know. And uh, it's that's that's what you you as a director you say, hey, you think you can do all this? And the guy in his thirties is like, yeah, let's use a stunt guy. But the guy in his twenties is like, hell yeah, 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 yeah. Because you know? yeah, in that's the an age the, thing, right there, yeah. At this at, at this time, he's only really in his early twenties, you know. So it's great in it. Yeah, he they must have had so much fun doing this too. <laughs> I. I I recently saw a Boomhouse film that I really, really enjoyed, and I texted you. I go, "Hey, you gotta watch this film. I think you, I think you'll like it. It's called Megan." And you came back and said, "You text back and you said, no, it's lame.' <laughs> yeah, dude, your... that movie was horrible <laughs> because that movie's got a lot of hype. So I th- I expected more uh-huh. was the problem <laughs> because of the hype for it. I thought it was gonna be like, hell yeah, finally something to. Something to to make me turn the light on when I walked down the hall. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I thought I was expecting that, and I just got it was that was a cheese ball, dude. That I think was... you should try to check it out again with the, with, nah. the, with, with your you know they just released a unrated version, which I don't think it's going to change you know the effect of the movie because I think it's an essentially just a campy horror horror comedy. I think watch it in the eyes of like something like Leprechaun. I think it's meant to be very, very uh, cheesy and very stupid, and I, it's not necessarily meant to be a so don't take it as a serious horror, for a horror attempt. No, no, no. I, I mean, yeah, I think I, people were talking about how it was scary. And oh, I was like, <laughs> that movie's not scary at all. But no, no. I mean, depending depending on how much you you were 
uh, d- disappointed by it. But I would say maybe check out the unrated version. Maybe I if seen... I didn't go in with an ex- it with a because I saw it before you'd mentioned it, so that's why I'd gone into it with a certain like if I would have talked to you first, then maybe. <laughs> but I went into it thinking, like I think my sister had seen it in the theaters or something. Oh uh, yeah, like this is going to be good, and it was like, what the fuck did I just waste my time on? Like <laughs> ah, like. Did you, did you? I'm still waiting to get scared. You know. Did your kids watch the movie? Because I think they would love it. No, they wouldn't even watch it. Oh wow, really? I don't think they were around, or by the time those things come around, they've already seen so many pieces of it on like YouTube. Like they're almost like, ah, it's not even worth watching anymore. I mean, they, like, I know watch there, all the pieces. I know there was like kind of a TikTok sensation of, of that film with you the know, dance, with the dance and stuff like that, and so. But I think. I don't know. I thought I, I thought I, I took it as just like a really kind of stupid comedy, and I I'll, I'll watch it, it again. <laughs> well, but the last thing, uh, it's dude. I'm you know what it is. Uh, I'm in search of the next thing that's going to scare the shit out of me, and I've been searching for like twenty years. I wonder. And the closest thing I got was that fucking piece of shit movie, and I say that because it fucking eeries me out. Oh, which one is this? If we would have saw this when we were. Teenagers, this would have been my favorite movie ever. Was the It Follows? Oh yes, yes, yes. That movie just weirded me. It still fucking weirds me. Out. I, I won't watch it because it ears me out. It's like, uh, uh, it's it's the concept is awesome. Everything's awesome. I don't like the movie because I like the movie. Is the problem? It left like a sour taste on my soul, which is what I wanted, but not like this. But, I mean, I give them all the praise in the world. It was a great movie, but it was so good that I can't keep, I can't watch it again. I don't want to watch it again. It just eerie me out, dude. It's like, uh, the concept was awesome. But it didn't actually, it wasn't like scary. It was eerie. I guess that was, that would be my difference. But, like, they, they keep talking about these movies that are scary and they're going to, like, blow you away and you're going to have nightmares. Nothing. They're just like walks in the park, man. I think I, I killed myself since I've been, I've numbed that part of my body since I've been watching horror movies my whole life. <laughs> what was the, like the last big scary movie you saw of recent films? Uh, saw the Smile. Oh yeah, yeah, Smile, yeah. Uh, Smile was cool because it was campy and mm-hmm. it was quick, uh, cheesy. I I dug. They did great with what they had to work with. Um, I did end up. I watched that Knock at the Cabin. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, not scary. Right? I mean, I didn't see the movie, but uh, yeah, not scary. M-, M Night Shyamalan is not known for being like a horror esque. You know, he's more more of suspense, mystery kind of filmmaker. I didn't get it out of that. Uh, my sister actually watched it and told me it was it was scary, and she's a liar. <laughs> she's a ball face liar now. <laughs> she's a peck, 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 peck. Get yeah, a little peck <laughs> out of the way, peck. I'm. <laughs> um, there is a movie that is getting a lot of buzz. I checked it out. Only got maybe an hour into it, and then I turned it off. Scared? It's not scary, but I think I would have loved it when I was younger, and I just don't have the patience mm. for it. It's an experimental horror movie that's on Shutter right now, but it was a big deal earlier this year because it made a lot of money. Well, I mean, decent enough of money in theaters, meaning like it made like it made over a million dollars. For this really low budget film, it's called Skinamarink. It's a Canadian film 
or a Canadian filmmaker did it, Kyle, a, a guy named Kyle Edward Ball. And it's just a atmospheric experimental film that has no really story. It's like watching security camera footage, really, but it's not security camera. It's it's like a dreamlike. Uh, um, it's you know it was done with only fifteen thousand dollar budget. There's no really characters in the movie. It's really just an experience. And I was watching it on Shutter, and you know Shutter is this great horror uh, streaming website that you can watch a lot of great horror movies on. And I was like getting into it, but then I'm like, I don't, I don't think I could finish this. <laughs> I mean, but I think I think. I, you know, you know, speaking that I was a in the nineties, I was a film nerd, and, and I think that film nerd uh, in my twenties probably would really appreciate it. It probably would have loved it. it. Yeah. But I think I don't have the patience for it. I don't know if you would like it. It's too out there, meaning it's no narrative. It's really just watching, just kind of paint dry. And I literally mean that as just watching paint dry. It has like great, kind of really cool auto or stereo or sound things you know kids crying in the background the only thing i could really compare it to is like remember in the end of blair witch project where the dude was just standing in the corner i think it was it was mike right mike was standing in the corner and we're kind of like focusing on it at the end and we're like what really happened there was there a witch (laughs) what was it it's like that but for the duration of full length movie for the whole movie yeah it's like are we watching something here that's scary or is it scary what the hell's going on and i i don't but it, it got a lot of buzz people seem to say that this is the most scariest film they've seen in their whole life and i think for a certain generation you know maybe for the tiktok generation it probably is true it but is for, scary but yeah. you have to be in the right mood and you have to be like totally into like experimental films you know um I don't know. Uh, maybe give it a try, but I, I I think you'll probably turn it off and within the twenty within twenty minutes or so, because nothing. Yeah, I'll nothing, try it for sure. Nothing anything, happens, but nothing happens. I'll give it a whirl. It's just it's just hard because I I get what these people are trying to do, right? But a lot of that time, you have to be of the same mindset or at least in that mood for that movie, right? Or or it just it 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 doesn't hit at all. You know what I mean? Like for, but, for yeah, I'll give it. For Skin on My Rink, uh, the, 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 the plot line is two children who wake up during the night to discover that they cannot find their father and that the windows, doors, and other objects in their house are disappearing. Now, I didn't that's the plot that's the plot line that they say in the in the in the in the, in the, in the <laughs> You didn't get that out of the hour. I did not get at that at all. Thank you for <laughs> even telling me that because I didn't even know there was children. I mean, you do hear children's voices. It's like shot through the their POV, I guess. I mean, <laughs> that plot line sounds a lot scarier. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Maybe you would like it. I don't know. It's it's like it's it's kind of like you know it's it's kind of like that creepy pasta stuff. You know that, that that was a big thing uh, a couple years ago on YouTube, where like these kind of you know the Slender Man. Are we watching vi- these videos are real or you know like I I think for that kind of generation who grew up on that stuff. On the Slender Man, I think they will. Yeah, I still watch Creepypasta. <laughs> I think, I think it, it maybe it just works for like you know these ten minute increments and doesn't necessarily work for like a full length uh, p- picture. But um, I don't know. I'll definitely, 
maybe give it a try. I mean, you know, maybe give it a try. It sounds it, weird. It's yeah, it is weird. <laughs> uh, especially since you you watched part of it and didn't know. Oh, the I, have no, I have no clue. I mean, I did read the plot line, but I did not get that from the from watching the movie. <laughs> I'll definitely try. All right, that's it. I guess we should say. I mean, Leprechaun. It was a fun kind of rewatch. It was a campy film. It was good to see a very young Jennifer Aniston in her her very early days. She, you know, there like I was saying, you knew that she was going to go places. Warwick Davis gives like a kind of a really great performance as the leprechaun with using the burst aesthetics. He's great. And you could understand why it went more and further uh, with the franchise. Uh, I don't know. What's your last words on the leprechaun and, and really what's your last words on Warwick Davis as his film career? Oh, I'm glad that he got a career. You know what I mean? I'm glad it wasn't just a, a guy in a suit to play the, the Ewok. You know what I mean? I'm glad that, they took his face, they took the the mask off, the prosthetics off, let him do Willow. <laughs> um, he's got that great show. We didn't really talk about it, but it was a little HBO show. It was the the Life's Too Short. Life's Too Short. So which if, is... you get, if you watch that, it's of only a couple episodes, but it is, it's a, it's a winner. It's hilarious. You know, it's, it's like a, what, a pseudo documentary about his life? It's a... Yeah, it's a mockumentary that he's playing a heightened version of himself, a kind of a washed up actor who's now a talent agent for little people. Uh, it's funny as hell. It's created by uh, Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, who did The Office, the original Office. Uh, Warwick Davis is basically playing a version of Ricky Gervais or his like his stick. And I think he does a much better job than Ricky Gervais. I'm not like the biggest fan of Ricky Gervais. But I, I think Warwick Davis actually has a really great deadpan humor and style. And he's like fucking hilarious in this Life Too Short. Uh, yeah, but, uh, really, I didn't even know how good his acting chops were till I saw it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I enjoyed him and Will. I, I didn't know he had that kind of range or that kind of comedy. But, dude, the guy is funny. Yeah, it's really short. Uh, or not to, No pun intended, but it's really a short <laughs> series. It's only like eight episodes. Um and he's yeah he's I'm glad that 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 they, that Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant gave him the opportunity to star in this because it really shows that he is a funny 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 guy, you know, and really great. And you could tell with that you know with that little bit that he did with with Val Kilmer that he is you know there these are two great kind of deadpan comedians. Oh yeah, yeah. I would recommend search out Life's Too Short. It's I don't know where you would find it. It was originally on HBO. It was a BBC uh, co-production, so I'm, I, you know, maybe look at look in some corners of the internet. Maybe you can find it. There's clips online, uh, but yeah, he's it's hilarious in it. Uh, yeah, so it was great to go back to like look at Warwick Davis and his films, and like like we said, we got a new appreciation of who he is as an actor, as a performer. We grew up on on his films, and we grew up on him really. Yeah, and it was he made watching movies fun. You know what I mean? It was like someone we could root for that was almost like one of our group. You know what I mean? That's the way it kind of felt to me when I was a kid. Yeah, I wonder what the younger generation probably thinks of him. They probably think of him with his association with Harry Potter, maybe even with the newer Star Wars because he has appeared in a couple of new Star Wars films as different characters. I I don't like to give the new generation credit, <laughs> but they are smarter than us as far as. Like when we were kids and we saw them like, oh, and then we'd look for the next thing. Yeah. They're smart enough to go backwards. Yeah. So they might backtrack and they might go back to the original, you know, Willow movie and Leprechaun and, 
you know, just so hopefully they do that and they take a look at his whole body and not just the couple of pieces they've been around for so far. I think you're right. I think there is a kind of, um, I think we just lived through the eighties nostalgia with like stranger things. We're embarking now onto the nineties nostalgia. And I think nineties are going to be the new decade that people are going to take away from, you know, either take some of those films and either make them remakes or, or, you know, or everything's going to be set in the nineties again. You know, like I think that's going to be interesting because that's when we were teenagers and we kind of know exactly how that we know exactly how it f- felt to be a teenager in the nineties. And I think we're going to have a lot of disagreements. <laughs> like oh, we're yeah. going to say like, no, that wasn't, that was nothing like nineties. Yeah, it's one of those. If, if, yeah, if you ran into your 20 year old self <laughs> right now, you know, they wouldn't believe a word you said that came out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm like, I'm much more critical of shows set in the nineties than I am with when shows are set in the, set in the eighties, maybe because I have a much more kind of, of that better memory of the 90s. Yeah, I have a better, yeah, definitely a better memory of the yeah. 90s. And I'll, I'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, what comes up and how I feel. Yeah, yeah I, I get what you're saying. Cause like 90s is like, no, you can't, you can't pull anything by me on the 90s, dude. I remember <laughs> that. You know, that's my, I'm an expert at it. All right. Uh, so it was fun talking to you on this episode. Angel, as always, as always, yes. And uh, we should also mention that this is our first episode of the new year. We took uh, some time off, January, most of February. I'm not sure when this episode is coming out, but um, I, I think you know because we talked about Leprechaun. <laughs> hopefully, it gets out before St. Patrick. St. <laughs> well, St. Patrick's comes out. Yes, yeah, St. Patrick's coming. Out. Hopefully, this is going to be out before St. Patrick. So, thank you for listening to Tarantino's. And we're going to be back very soon with new episodes. We're going to talk about other movies from the 80s and 90s. And we're going to give you our, our opinions of what it was like to live in those times. Yeah. So with that, I say thank you and bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And with that, I'm going to send it off with one of the great viral videos of all time. <laughs> From the land of the Irish Spring. Dublin's the place where I learned my thing. From the Emerald Isle to your place in the hood. I'm the man of green, come to do no good. Left in the hood, come to do no good. Left in the hood, come to do no good. Blunt is dope, this place is hype. There's a lot issues, just by type. I hate your resort so soon to money. Haven't been late in so long, it's heavy. I'm so bad, I'm good. I'll show you what to do, so lend an ear. Don't worry, little lassie, you've got nothing to fear. Sit with the lad who's lean and green, and let me show you why I'm a love machine. Come to do no good. I'm a wee green guy who's new to town. Show me what you do when you get down. I'll go up, you go down. We'll call see your love the green. Left in the hood, come to do no good. Left in the hood, when we're bad, we're good. Lifts of more to your front door. Better turn out the lights and pray some more. We're gonna party through the night until the dawn. Then you and I are gonna get it on. Left in the hood, come to do no good. Left in the hood, come to do no good.